0: Very excited tonight to be interviewing a colleague and a world renowned sex researcher, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. He's the author of Tell Me What You Want. We're going to pick apart, talk about sexual fantasies. He interviewed so many people, it's the largest survey of sexual fantasies. In America, so we can find out what the most common sexual fantasies are differences between uh, men and women, uh, some of the the surprises he may have found uh, with regards to that, what sexual fantasies say about us, uh, how to uh, put them into practice, maybe, or whatever other questions you have. For him, I have tons, but if you have others, uh, so I'm really looking forward to speaking to him af- after 10.15. But first,
1: let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at
0: 514-800. All right, and you know you can send me your questions anytime by email to laurie at com. All right, Uh, I'm a 58 year old male, and although we never had marital issues, after 22 years together, she left me for someone else. I haven't so much as had lunch with a woman in over five years. Yeah, ouch. In brackets, let alone had sex. Masturbation relieves, but I long so badly for, if not a relationship, just a roll in the hay. Any suggestions? I've been on dating sites, not working. Prostitution is illegal, but what about escorts? I almost feel like the need to just cuddle and have sex is killing me. I pray you have advice for this lonely situation. So first of all, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss because it, it really does sound like you need to like finally grieve the end of this marriage and move on. So maybe you're hanging on to some of that stuff. But finding a partner requires some work and requires some effort it's not enough to i tried dating sites didn't work you got to try many dating sites you got to keep at it it's a it's a numbers game. You've got to get out there too. Uh, get out of the house. Join some activity groups. So think of what you like to do and find some similar-minded uh, people. You can go to meetup groups, so meetup.com online. If you just punch in like w- what are some of your interests, you'll find other people with similar interests. Maybe you want to join a yoga class, a community group, maybe you want to volunteer somewhere or take up dancing courses, social dancing, whatever it is. Uh, like getting out is important. Uh, and it'll also be fulfilling for you. Okay, maybe not the, the sexual side of things, but at least it'll help you lead a, a happier life. Um, as far as going and hiring a sex worker, well, that's entirely up to you. I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't judge you on that. But you have to bear in mind that Uh, sex workers are there to provide a sexual service, not to provide intimacy, which is from what you're writing to me. That seems to be what you are craving. I also want to assure you that there are plenty of single, divorced, widowed women in your age bracket looking for some good men to date. I hear it all the time. It's funny. I hear women say, where are the men? And men say, where are the women? But why, how are you not connecting? Uh, I don't know, but they are out there. So it's a question of looking. Here's an interesting uh, question. I don't think I've ever had before. I have orgasms while asleep, often repeating continuously to the point of pain and This is from a female, by the way. Is there a reason these happen and is there a way to prevent or lessen the intensity of the episodes? So I can talk a little bit about orgasms during sleep. I'm not quite sure why you feel pain, maybe from the congestion, like intense congestion in your genitals could maybe cause some discomfort, But the reason why we have orgasms during sleep is that during your, the deep sleep, the REM sleep, you get an increased blood flow to the genitals, which can lead to sexual arousal. So if you throw in an erotic dream, you might just get yourself a climax that you weren't looking for just happened. So interestingly, there are some women who report these, uh, these nocturnal let's call them nocturnal orgasms and these same women who have them in their sleep will report not having them in real life, which I find very interesting, but it makes sense if you understand that a woman's orgasm is related to what's going on in her head. So in real life, you may, um, you may have be distracted by stuff. You may be anxious, Uh, what, uh, whatever else is going on, but in your dreams, you are probably, uh, well, you are more relaxed in your deep sleep, your body, uh, relaxes. And so you can create these scenarios in your head, these dreams, erotic dreams that don't have all of these anxieties. So that may explain, um, the difference. Uh, I'm a 20-ish year old man. When I ejaculate, my cum is clear instead of white. Is there a problem? This is something I've answered uh, in the past, I believe. But uh, no, the bottom line is no. This is not indicative of a problem. You should know that uh, ejaculate can vary uh, in that way. Like it can be clear, it can be white, it can be somewhere in between. It all depends on your the length of arousal. So how much time you've spent in a state of arousal. There's something. um, The the more you're in a state of arousal, the more prostatic fluid, like fluid coming from your prostate, is produced, which uh, waters down, let's say the uh, the ejaculate also matters how much you drink in terms of how hydrated uh, you are, that has that as well. Um, last question What would you recommend I take to get off testosterone shots? My wife and I are going for baby number two, so I'm not quite clear what's going on here simply because. I would need to know why you're being given testosterone shots. I don't know if it's related to your fertility. I, I'm not sure. But if you are on any uh, kind of hormones, so somebody prescribed hormones to you, you really should be checking with an endocrinologist on this. Endocrinologists are specialists in, uh, in hormones, and they could uh, help you uh, figure out Uh, what you need to do or go to the fertility specialist because fertility specialists also deal with this and would be able to uh, help you figure out what you need to do to optimize uh, your uh, fertility coming up in the program. uh, We're going to talk about sexual fantasies with Dr. Justin lay Miller. I'm very, very excited to have him on the air. There's lots to talk about and lots that he has to share with you. to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Sexual fantasies and the science behind it with one of America's top sex researchers. So excited to have Dr. Doctor Justin uh, Laymiller on. He is the founder and editor of Sex and Psychology. Just uh, released a new book called Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. He's even written a textbook called The Psychology of Human Sexuality Using Colleges Around the world. He is the one to go to when it comes to sex research. Dr. Justin, so happy to have you on the air.
1: Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me.
0: So, I want to hear about this uh, major research that, uh, I mean, this is a, a huge undertaking uh, just based on, on sexual fantasies and people's sex lives. Can you tell us about how that all got started?
1: Sure. Uh, so, this actually represented a few years of my life. I uh, <laughs> surveyed just over, it was almost 4,200 Americans from all 50 states, uh, and they completed this massive survey of 369 questions asking them about their favorite sexual fantasies of all time and hundreds of people, places, and things they might have ever fantasized about, and then I asked them about their personalities, their sexual histories, their demographics, because I wanted to look at not just what are people fantasizing about, but what do our fantasies say about us? And the reason that I conducted this research and wanted to learn more about this was because uh, when I wrote that textbook that you mentioned, I had to review all the literature that was out there on sexual fantasies. Wow. And when I was doing that, I just realized there were so many questions I had that had never been answered before. Uh, right. For example, how do we see ourselves in our sexual fantasies? And what does that mean? What does that say about us? And, and also, What's the connection between fantasy and reality? So how many people are acting on their fantasies and what are their experiences like? So I, I wanted to look at all of these questions that just hadn't really been looked at before.
0: Those are great questions because they are questions that people ask us therapists, right? They they ask us about I have this fantasy and I I don't know if I should act it out or I want to act it out and then they sometimes they regret doing it or sharing a fantasies they're afraid to share fantasies they don't know if their fantasies are normal or not normal uh, so people just people in general have a lot of questions about fantasies because we don't generally share those with the people around us so we don't know what other people are fantasizing about
1: Right, and, and it's certainly not something you're taught about in sex education courses. Oh, right? God, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so people,
1: you know, it, it, it's it's normal for people to walk around not knowing if their fantasies are normal or not just because they've never been taught, you know, what sexual fantasies are common and and which ones aren't.
0: Right. So what would you say or what came through in terms of the most common sexual fantasies?
1: So I found that there were three general themes that almost everyone reported having fantasies about at one time or another. And these were group sex. So that could be anything from a threesome to an orgy to, you know, just some other multi-partner encounter. Um, yeah. Another very common theme was BDSM. And, you know, what we're talking about there is basically playing with power and control in the bedroom. And, uh, you know, that ranges anywhere from using bondage to uh spankings to you know more intense sadomasochistic activities right Uh, and then and then the other really common theme was what i called novelty adventure Mm -hmm. and variety which is all about having just sort of new and different sexual experiences and breaking your sexual routines so moving sex outside of your own bed in your own bedroom and just just doing something that's new and different for you
0: Okay. You know what's interesting is that uh, in Quebec, they did a a survey here to look at um, like people's BDSM fantasies and such, and they found that almost half the population were either interested in or had fantasies about BDSM. So that's one of the most common themes that that at least here where we live, (laughs) where I live, I don't know how it is across the states, mind you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it, it, it's true. I'm, I'm familiar with the Quebec research. Um, I think that you're, you're referring to research conducted by Christian Joyal yeah. uh, and some of his colleagues. And um, you know, it's it's the same north and south of the border. Uh, you know, BDSM is a very prevalent theme in our fantasies.
0: Did you find any differences in the di- in the different states, like the the more conservative states versus uh, the more liberal ones?
1: So one of the things I looked at was. Differences in sexual fantasies based on people's political party.
0: Oh, affiliation. cool. Uh, okay.
1: And so I did find that there were differences based on self-identified Republicans and self-identified Democrats. And what I found the Republicans were more likely to be fantasizing about was basically all the more taboo types of sexual activities. Uh-huh. So they were fantasizing more about, uh, voyeurism and infidelity and uh, orgies and things along those lines. Um, the one area where Democrats, uh, you know, had more fantasies about something than Republicans was in BDSM, right? So Democrats had more of the power play fantasies than Republicans did.
0: Okay. that That's quite interesting because it also mirrors uh, what we know about porn viewing, for example, in, in, like in states where it's more restricted, people tend to view more, more extreme. So, yeah. Very, uh...
1: Absolutely. And I think that it, it ties into this psychological concept called reactance, which is basically the idea that when you're told that you can't do something, <clears> it just makes you want to do it even more. <laughs> and so when, when you're talking about Republicans and conservatives who have all of these restrictions placed on their sexuality, it seems that in their fantasy world they're fantasizing about breaking free of all of those restrictions that they have.
0: Well, it's like the abstinence-only education states what happens there, right? The more you tell Uh, them you can't, you get more pregnancies, you get more STIs. (laughs) Doesn't work.
1: Uh,
0: No. Did you find any um, differences in men's fantasies and uh, women's fantasies?
1: There were some differences. I think it's important to start by saying that men and women, I I think, looked more similar overall than they they did different. So most of the things that men were fantasizing about, women were fantasizing about as well, and and vice versa. Uh, There were some differences, though. So, for example, although most men and women reported having group sex fantasies before, men were more likely to have fantasized about group sex, and they fantasized about that more frequently. And also, although most men had passion and romance fantasies, women were more likely to have those and have them more frequently. So there were some differences there in terms of the content of people's fantasies. Uh, One other difference that emerged was that men had more taboo fantasies overall than women
0: did. Okay. What about rape fantasies, which we commonly know as common, uh, as one of the more common fantasies? Did you find that came through?
1: Absolutely. Uh, They were extremely common. Um, it was about two-thirds of the women I surveyed reported having had these forced sex fantasies. Um, wow. Some, some people refer to them as rape fantasies, also consensual non-consent is another right. term that, that they go by. Better. Um better. But one of the things that I found really interesting was that in addition to a majority of women fantasizing about forced sex, the majority of men fantasized about having sex forced on them as well. Oh, Wow. Uh, and so that that's something that that surprised me a little bit about the data was how much men were fantasizing about sexual submission and 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 forced sex, specifically having sex forced on them.
0: See, that doesn't surprise me because men are often the ones who are kind of responsible or feel responsible for the initiation of and what have you. And m- m- many men will express this verbally that they would they love when their partner initiates. So. Being, you know, having the fantasy of, of being forced, so to speak, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I think it makes sense um, that in our fantasies, oftentimes we are trying to break free of the socially constructed gender roles, you know, yes. boxes that were put into when it comes to sex. And so one of the things I did in the survey was I asked people how much power they have in their real sex life, you know, in terms of how much they're initiating sex and, and so forth. And then in their fantasies, how much are they initiating sex? And one of the things that you see is that heterosexual women fantasize about taking on a more dominant role than they have in reality. Huh. Uh, and heterosexual men fantasize about taking on a more submissive role than they have in reality. So it, it, it's consistent with that idea that people seem to want to break free of those traditional gender roles
0: so interesting Dr. Justin Laymiller is my guest you can find him on uh, sex and psychology a fantastic uh, newsletter that uh, I subscribe to and you can get all kinds of information I hope you don't mind but every Friday night I do sex in the news here and every single week there's something I I quote something you've written so (laughs) just just letting you know
1: (laughs) well thanks for spreading the word
0: well yes we do. And you do that well, too. I have to say spreading the word uh, and and making sex research accessible to the general public uh, is our responsibility, I think. And and I just want to say you do that real well. Uh, Coming up, we are going to talk about what do your sexual uh, fantasies say about you? If uh, anything, I'm curious to find out. Uh, from this research what they say about each of us that's with uh, Dr. Justin Laymiller coming up next the following program contains mature subject matter listener discretion is advised the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. What do your sexual fantasies say about you? Joining us uh, tonight is one of America's top sex researchers, Dr. Justin Miller. He is the founder and editor of Sex and Psychology. He's a social psychologist. He's a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. He just released a book called Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Probably America's largest survey done, a sex survey, to look and delve into people's erotic desires and and fantasies. So he's done a whole lot of research, has crunched the numbers and put it all in this book. And of course, everyone wants to know, hey, if I'm, if I'm fantasizing about someone other than my partner, is this wrong? What does this say? Did, am I cheating? I get that question quite a bit. What would you answer? <laughs> I,
1: I would say it's pretty normal to fantasize about someone other than your partner. Um, I, I guess I should back up and say that When you look at the people who appear in our sexual fantasies, surprisingly, the one person who's most likely to appear is actually your current partner. Right. The people do fantasize about their partners more often than anyone else, but most people do also fantasize about other people because we have this drive for sexual variety. So it's not uncommon for people to fantasize about, say, an ex or a friend or a celebrity.
0: Right. But people worry. They think that if you're fantasizing about someone else, it means that you desire that someone else. I think we need to kind of uh, uh, break that myth a bit.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to make the distinction between a sexual fantasy and a sexual desire, right? So a yes. fantasy is just a sexually arousing mental image or picture that turns you on it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to do it. Uh, A sexual desire, on the other hand, is something that you definitely do want to do. So some of our fantasies are sexual desires, but not all of our fantasies are. And so people can fantasize about having sex with someone other than their current partner, and it doesn't mean that they actually want to do it. So it's right. important to make that distinction between fantasy and desire.
0: Right. It's a little bit like people who watch porn. A lot, of, a lot of partners will feel insecure because they feel that their partners, that whatever porn they're watching, they actually would want those particular people, right? And then they compare themselves to that, but that's not the way it works.
1: Right. And when you're talking about what people consider to be cheating or infidelity, this is something that varies so much from one person to the next. And, and so that's why I think it's so important for partners to get on the same page about you know what they think is and is not acceptable behavior in the relationship so that they don't unintentionally hurt one another. But I think it's also important for people to be realistic and to recognize that hey, it's normal normal, for you to be attracted to more than one person over the course of your life, (laughs) and that does not mean there's anything wrong with you or your relationship.
0: It's like it's okay to look. You don't have to touch, but it's okay to look. (laughs) Right. Uh, So you have a chapter in here that says the 15 questions that reveal your secret sexual desires. Can you explain that?
1: Sure. So what I did in that chapter was look at the demographic factors, personality factors and sexual history factors that predict people's sexual fantasies. Mm. So what do your sexual fantasies say about you? Uh, So so I tried to take a comprehensive look here. And one of the things I looked at that I thought was really interesting was how is our age related to our sexual fantasies? Because there's almost no research that has looked at sexual fantasies and aging almost all the research on sex fantasies has been based on college students and um something that i often say when i teach lectures and workshops on sexual fantasies is that if you really want to understand fantasies uh, college students are actually the least interesting group of people you could (laughs) study Um, (laughs) because they have not been having sex for very long right so (laughs) you know anything is kind of like new and exciting to them and so they actually have a more restricted range of fantasy content. And so what I see in my data is that as people get older, and specifically people in their 40s and 50s, uh, they have the most fantasies about sexual novelties and group sex and taboo activities, right? So it seems that in this age range, people have this, this yearning to really try something new. And I think it's because people in this age group most of them are in long-term exactly. monogamous relationships right. and so they're just looking for some way to break up their sexual routines
0: makes i mean it makes perfect sense and to do it in a safe in a safe way without having to be unfaithful you do it in your mind
1: right and and, and this is where you know, the fantasy, by, by bringing that into your relationship in some way, um, potentially by talking to your partner about it and using it as a form of dirty talk, you can use that as a way of, you know, creating some, some passion or excitement. And, and you don't have to act on the fantasy in order to get fulfillment from it. Simply by uh, sharing it with your partner can, can bring some benefits.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I, I've noticed quite the opposite for, with some people who have had fantasies, say, of uh, of threesomes, that when they actually went out and, and did it, it wasn't as fulfilling as their fantasy was because you can't control it in, in real life.
1: <laughs> right. And, and, and something I found that was really interesting was that threesomes were actually – the single most popular sexual fantasy that people had, but they were also the fantasy that was least likely to turn out well when people acted on it. Right, And I I think it's because when people act on group sex fantasies, they just don't have a script for it. And they don't know who's supposed to do what with whom and when. (laughs) And so all this uncertainty just, you know, there's a lot of ways
0: that can go wrong. A lot of ways that can go wrong. How (laughs) often do people turn their – uh, fantasies into reality. Did you uh, did you find out that?
1: Yeah, so I asked people with respect to their favorite fantasy of all time, do you want to act on this fantasy at some point? And what I found was that about 80% So four in five people said they want to act on their favorite fantasy. That doesn't mean they want to act on every fantasy they've ever had, just with respect to their favorite fantasy. And then I also asked them separately, have they ever acted on it? And what I found was that about one in five people had done so. So there's a pretty big gap between fantasy and reality where most people are saying, I want to act on my favorite fantasy, but most people have never done it.
0: Right. And what about uh, sharing fantasies with their partners? Did many share them out loud with their partners?
1: It was about 50-50 in in terms of who had shared their fantasies, and it was pretty similar when you broke it down based on gender and, and sexuality and so forth. So about half of people say they've shared their favorite fantasy with a partner before, but a much lower number have gone the extra mile and acted on it.
0: Right, right. Uh, well, can you hang out with us a little while longer?
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about how would you or do you turn your fantasy into a reality, or should you turn your fantasies into reality? Would you? Would you want your fantasies turned into reality? Would love to hear your thoughts at 514-800 with my guest, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. He is the founder and editor of Sex and Psychology. You can find him all over the web you just have to spell out his name his last name l-e-h-m-i-l-l-e-r passion with dr Lori Batito on cjad 800 Turning your fantasy into reality. Uh, Dr. Justin Lehmiller addresses this in his book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. You can find him and information about the book and so many wonderful blog posts on all kinds of uh, issues related to sexuality at laymiller.com l e h m i l l e r it's the sex and psychology uh, blog chock full of fabulous information. Uh, so turning a, a fantasy into reality, I'm curious to hear some of your recommendations so it doesn't uh, blow up in your face or disappoint you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So th- this is one of those areas where I, I think it's useful to, when you're sharing fantasies with a partner to first work on establishing good intimacy and, and sexual communication. Yes. Because when you're sharing fantasies with a partner, that has the potential to become threatening, especially if you acknowledge fantasies about, say, other people or, or group sex or things like that. So I, I think make sure the relationship is in a good place first. Um, I, I think also when you start sharing your fantasies, start low. Go slow, right? <laughs> you don't need to get everything out there right, right away. If this is a long-term relationship, you know the good news is that you can start with your more vanilla fantasies and yes. work your way up to the more adventuresome stuff later on.
0: And gauge your partner's response to all of this too, right? Like if your if a, if a partner gets really upset or starts saying, "Well, that's cheating," and and gets you know has that kind of reaction. I don't think you're likely to share anymore.
1: Right, and, and I think it's so important when you're sharing your fantasies to try and validate your partner in the process, right? Um, and, and, and this should be easy to do because most people have fantasized about their partner before. So talk about the integral role that your partner plays. Intersexual sexual fantasies and right. how hot you think they are, how attracted you are to them, and how, you know, in this fantasy, it's, it's something that both of you together are enjoying, and it's not just about you, right? So so make them a central figure in your fantasy, uh, and it's likely to go over better.
0: Right. But what if you have fantasies that you haven't shared that are, let's say, extreme or involve some a fetish, for example, that... You feel, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, I can't. This is so secret, such a deep, deep uh, fantasy that I, it's something I can't really share. It's like a big secret uh, because they might think that that fantasy or that fetish is way out there. For example, um, how do you even be? How do you begin that process?
1: Yeah, and so one of the things I find is that. The more shame and guilt and embarrassment people feel about their sexual fantasies, the less likely they are to share them. So, If you think your fantasies are rare or unusual, you're probably never going to share them because you just feel all of those negative emotions about them. So I think as a starting point, you need to feel good about yourself first. And and that's something that I try to help people with in my book is to try and normalize a wide range of sexual fantasies. So so start first with that process of self-acceptance. Right. And then an, another question you need to ask yourself is, do I actually need to share this fantasy? And do Correct. I actually need to act on it? Right? So think about, is your fantasy actually a desire? Is it something you want to do or not? Because you can have a perfectly happy sex life without acting on your sexual fantasy. Right. So, just be careful in terms of how you think about this just because you fantasize about it doesn't mean you have to share it or
0: or act on it right and if you even even thinking about acting on it you've got to you've got to play it out till the end In like you have to look at all the potential issues that come up like for example we were talking about the threesomes you have to take factor in the third person's emotions and the third, you know everybody's feelings and possible jealousies. And like there's a lot of things to consider that you would never consider in your fantasy.
1: Right. And, and unfortunately, people are not very good at predicting how their fantasy scenarios are going to go just because we're not very good at predicting our future emotional states in general. That's true. Uh, it, it's hard to take into account everything in our life that's going to have changed between now and this, this future period of time. So just recognize when it comes to acting on a fantasy, it might not work out exactly the way you have it predicted in your mind.
0: Yeah, or or it might be disastrous, (laughs) or it might kill the fantasy.
1: Right. Uh, You know, it's possible it might be even better than expected, but it's also possible it might not go very well. So this is where I think it's also useful to do some research and plan ahead. Uh, There are lots of great guidebooks out there that can help people when it comes to acting on sexual fantasies. So, for example, if you're um, interested in opening up your relationship in some way, there are lots of great books out there on this subject, like Opening up, and uh, there's a book called The Ethical Slut that I often recommend. You know, these are books that can help you work through the potential issues that might arise when it comes to taking your relationship in that direction.
0: Right. Well, I think uh, you talked about sexual communication, and I do believe this is where it all begins, and this is where people have the hardest time is being able to just talk about it with without all of the emotions attached to it and all the shame and all the, all those other things and just be able to listen and absorb and talk openly and without judgment, it's really hard to do when you're talking about sex and anything outside of the very norm.
1: Absolutely. And that's why you've got to start first by getting that trust and intimacy between you and your partner first. Uh, so that you can share those fantasies in this atmosphere of non-judgment, um, because if you're worried about your partner's response, you know that, that suggests that it's not safe to, to talk about sex. So you need to first get comfortable talking and communicating about sex in general before you can start acknowledging and, and sharing these deep secrets you have about your sex uh, fantasies.
0: Absolutely, I think some people go right to the to the extreme without all the. The in between, and it kind of throws the it kind of throws the relationship off balance. Uh, Then they end up in my office, but that's okay. Then we can go. You know, we teach. At least we can teach good sexual communication. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get a lot of people who email me, and they'll say, you know, my fantasy is for my I want to watch my wife have sex with another man. They'll say, how do I get this to happen? Yeah, and I'm like, okay, let's back up a few (laughs) steps, right? Let's make sure this relationship is in a good place and you've got the communication and intimacy before you can, you know, even think about going down that path.
0: Yeah. And also be careful what you wish for. I've seen this situation play out not so good, like where the person that's exactly what they wanted. And then when it happened, he the the guy was completely like overwhelmed by his own jealousies and insecurities that came to the surface. And it was like, it was, you can't take it back.
1: <laughs> right. And, and that's also one of the things that's interesting about swinging, right? Where people engage in partner swapping mm-hmm. with, with, with other couples. Um, we see that oftentimes men are usually more interested in this than women. Uh, and so in a heterosexual relationship, men are often pushing for this. But then when a couple actually opens up the relationship and starts swinging, we find that it's often women who enjoy the experience more yep. than men, because suddenly women find Hey, I've got all these options, and all these people want to have sex with me. Right. And the men don't have the same level of options, and so they're actually wanting to close the relationship back
0: up. I've seen that umpteen times in my practice. I have to say, you're absolutely right. Well, it's been a complete pleasure and joy speaking with you and reading your material, and thank you for sharing all that important information. It's it's great. You're a great person to follow in the field of, of sexuality. So very much appreciated. Thanks, Justin.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Lori.
0: All right. Take care. That's Dr. Justin Lay-Millers. So his website at www.lehmiller.com for some amazing information. Uh, about sexuality that you'll find there and information about his book tell me what you want the signs of sexual desire and how it can help you improve your sex life thank you so much for spending your precious time with me thanks to our technical producer brian kalasar you can connect with me on social media at dr Lori petito or through my website drlori.com. coming up next here on cjed we bring you the ctv national news Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.